Hi there, this is Crystal's Chronicles, and you are listening to episode 133. It's a bonus episode, A Chat with Trisha Goyer. Hi there. Thanks again for tuning in to Crystal's Chronicles. I'm very excited to have you back. Today, I am talking with Trisha Goyer, and I'm doing actually a release of two podcasts at the same time. One, because I missed a Monday. Can you imagine that? You know, God forgive me. But also because my episode where I talked about the magnificent grace of God dovetails so nicely into my conversation with Trisha. She is the author of her new book, Walk It Out, which talks about what it means to walk out your salvation. Like, what does it mean to live a life that actually looks like a life that a Christian should live? Do we actually take the things that God says in his word seriously? Well, Trisha has. She does do ministry outside of the United States. She does ministry inside of the United States. She's adopted kids. She's taken care of parents that she takes the whole orphan and widow thing seriously. And I mean, talking to her will make you think about whether or not your Christian life is actually the Christian life, how seriously you take his commandments and how truly important it is for you to walk in obedience as he reveals it to you as you look at his word. So I'm excited to talk to Trisha today again, because Trisha is one of the most calm and soothing, um, peaceful people I've ever talked to. But yet she has 10 kids. So there you have it. But I want you to understand that my conversation with Trisha today really is to discuss how God has moved in her life and how his move in her life has changed the way she lives her life. And um, I encourage you not only to listen to today's podcast, make sure you listen to number 132, The Magnificent Grace of God, and also pick up Trisha's book because I've read it and it's fantastic. Last thing is I didn't mention it on episode 132, but my church is actually walking through the magnificent grace of God as a series. My daddy, pastor, pastor, daddy is preaching on it. And there is a devotional. So I put a link uh, in both episode 132 and 133. So if you're looking to do a study on God's grace, you can just go to my church's website, download that devotional and continue to study God's word on your own because it is important for you to study God's word for yourself. And Trisha talks about that too in today's episode. So without further ado, let me jump into this special bonus episode with Miss Trisha Goyer. Oh, wait, and I almost forgot. I asked Trisha for a recipe because we were talking about how in the world you get dinner on the table on a regular for that many people. And so she's also provided one of her favorite recipes. She said she makes it two or three times a month. And that recipe is in the show notes for today as well. Okay. Now, without further ado, now that we've got the whole recipe thing out of the way, I can't wait to share my episode, my interview with Miss Trisha Goyer with you today. Well, I am so excited to welcome Miss Trisha Goyer to today's podcast. Good morning, Trisha. Good morning, Crystal. How are you? <laughs> Good. We are podcasting early in the morning because that's when it's quiet in our homes. <laughs> My kids are still sleeping. I hope it stays that way. <laughs> I know. Me too. I was thinking as I came downstairs to turn on my microphone, I have one that he's getting a lot better, but my youngest, he's eight. He still sometimes has um, nightmares, like he'll see bugs in his oh, bed. Oh, wow. So he gets up and he comes running, uh, you know, to jump in the bed with us. And um, I was thinking, okay, this is not the morning to come hollering about the spider. <laughs> 
Well, I am talking to you, Ms. Trisha, today for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, you are a pleasure to talk to. You are so soothing. Like literally, you have a very soothing voice. Uh, two, you have a very soothing way about you. And three, you have a very soothing story. You just... Um, Every time you speak, when I see even your post on Instagram or when I have had the opportunity to chat with you or read your blog, your the bottom line is, um, one, God loves you. Two, God mm. can help. And three, um, whatever God wants from you, you can do. It's just like yeah. it's possible. <laughs> That's how yes. I feel when I when I talk to you, when I've interacted with them. What you put out into the world. And so I'm very grateful to have an opportunity to chat with you again. Uh, I'll be sure to put a link to um, our previous conversation in our show notes where we talked a lot about life and where you fit in writing and how you fit in kids and all of that. But for those who didn't listen, can you just briefly tell us a little bit about your family before we launch into the second reason why we're talking today, which is um, a new book that you have coming out? Yay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm Trisha and I've been married to John for 27 years <laughs> and I'm a author and a speaker. Um, Walk It Out is number 70, my 70th book, which is just crazy. <laughs> I, I, I've been writing for a very long time. I feel very old, um, but I'm the mom of 10 kids. And so I was a teen mom. I had Corey when I was 17. I got pregnant my senior year in high school. I also shared that um, when I was 15, I had an abortion which is something that I really, really regret. But that's so much a part of my story and how God has um, healed me and used me since then. Um, Corey's 28 now. And then after I had Corey, I met and married a wonderful Christian man. And we had two more kids. So uh, Leslie's 25 and Nathan's 23. And then in the last seven years, we've adopted seven kids from uh, foster care and from a private adoption. And so those kids um, are six girls and one boy, and they range in age from seven. So the youngest just turned seven. And then the oldest is 17. And I homeschool those seven kids. Yes. And, you know, I know people are listening going, okay, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of kids. It's a lot to do. And, uh, you you know, and raising kids is a, is a long-term commitment. I mean, even when they're supposed to be gone, they're never really gone, you know? Yeah. And so um, that's a lot. And then when you uh, add to that, you're very committed to um, ministry, uh, your ministry that happens as you write, but also your ministry in your local church and mm -hmm. through the mops groups that you support and, and just how you love on moms, teen moms specifically. And so your plate is really full. So what's so interesting, and we talked about this on the last podcast, but that you have made some deliberate choices about what you do and don't do so that mm -hmm. you are able to honor your commitments to love well, love well in your home, love well locally in your church. And I just want to say um, that I'm, I think about you a lot. I think it literally, I think, what would Trisha do right here? Would she <laughs> would take she a say, nap? Yeah. Would she say yes to this or would she say no? Because what I think is, is really amazing um, is that you do say no to a lot. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that you say no to. And so what I say about, you know, your, your soothing voice and your soothing approach to the way you live your life, and we know it's not perfect because life isn't perfect for anybody, but a right. lot of what you're able to do and to accomplish both uh, in your home, with your passion, with writing, in for the Lord, in your local church, and as you speak at, at events and do ministry elsewhere is because there is so much in your life you say no to. 
Yes, absolutely. So before we talk about what it means to walk it out and all the things you say yes to, I just want to make that clear that in order to do it, you have to say say no. But I will I will put the link to that podcast so people can hear all about the no's. <laughs> absolutely. That'd be great. Well, one of the first things that I wanted to chat with you about, um, you start out your book, Walk It Out. Uh, the Radical Result of Living God's Word One Step at a Time. You started out, of course, talking about your story because so much of what you um, have been led to do, convicted to do, comes from your own story. But what I wanted to hone in on um, is this idea of purpose and and grace. And mm. let me start out by quoting you. Um, you said, what is purpose? And I love your definition. I'm on board 100%. It isn't just one thing. Instead, it is a fluid mixture of callings that God reveals as I see him at work in this world and dare to step into the good work he's designed for me. And I love that so much because don't you think people think it's one thing? I absolutely think that. And I thought that for many years um, when I was a young mom and I had these little kids and I thought writing was my purpose. I remember the first time my friend said she wanted to be a writer and something within me just sang and that's like, yes, I want that too. And I went to writers conferences and when the kids napped, I wrote and I thought, this is it. This is my purpose for life. I'm going to write books that are going to impact people. And then God called me to help start a crisis pregnancy center. And I was just like, what? Like That's <laughs> that's not my purpose. And looking back now, it, it was my purpose because that for that season of my life, that's what God had me do because I had been there. I had compassion. I love those young women. I remember what it was like being scared and frightened and feeling alone and having a boyfriend leave in the middle of the crisis. And so for that season, that was my purpose. And then later, mentoring teen moms, I started my first teen mom support group in 2000. And now it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing it now in Little Rock, Arkansas, in the inner city, inner city. And I'm meeting with these moms. And, you know, we've had from ages 12 to about 23. And I'm looking at these young women. And my purpose is part of being with them and loving them and telling them, you matter. God has good plans for you. He loves your child. But for so many years, I thought, oh, it's just about writing. And we, we get stuck in where we think, okay, what's my strengths? Um, <laughs> let me do my little tests and let me figure that out. Mm-hmm. And then God's like, wait, I have so much more for you than you even imagined. And we think it is taking away from like our ideal purpose, but really... I'm more compassionate. That shows up in my writing. Um, that I, I see struggles. That helps my writing too, because I know that there's other people out there with the same struggles, with the same hurts, and so all of it comes together into God saying, "Yes, I called you to this," and "Yes, I called you to this," and "Yes, I called you to that." And it's not always that we do it all at the same time either. I mean, I was there for three years and helped start the pregnancy center. It was kept up and running after I left as a volunteer and it's still going and it's still growing. God just needed me for that season of life to be there. And that was part of my purpose too. Why do you think people struggle so much with this idea of purpose that they got to find it, that they have to know it. And if they have an inkling as to what it is, then everything in their life has to pursue it. And it's supposed to be that one thing. I mean, we are, mesmerized mm-hmm. and not that it's not a good thing to to know and understand and discover that there I think is almost a fixation I I find that um you know if I go and 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 speak or if uh you know even at my church that is the thing how do I know how do I know what God wants me to do 
And I, I know underneath that there's a core for many of really just wanting to honor God with their lives. I, I do believe right. that. Yeah. But why do you think it's on steroids though? It seems to me it's a little on. I don't know. I mean, maybe you don't. I, mean, I don't know if you even think that too. But wh- I do. Okay. Why do you think that is? You know, I think so many times we think it has to be bigger than this. Like we, we went to see like a, a mile down the road and know that, okay, I'm like, I, when I started writing, I could see like, it's a book on the shelf. Like it's something I could focus on. It's down the road. I could strive towards that. And instead, like when we think of our, our purpose really is just following God today in this moment, sometimes it's not that fun. It's not that big thing that we can focus on and that we could look on and that we could strive for. You know, sometimes it's waking up and loving on our kids and going to work and doing these little things and honoring God in that way. But we want to have like this big thing, like I am called to do this mm-hmm. um, and my strengths lead to this direction and I can focus on that. Um, and we have that instead of realizing it's the daily choices, it's sitting down. And when you read God's word, it says to love your neighbor and it's crossing the street and going to see how they're doing that day. Like that <laughs> is your purpose. But so many times we want it to be so much bigger. And, and I think you're right. We, we know that God has good purposes for us. We want to follow him. We want to give him everything, but it's already in God's word. Like he says, care for the orphan and love the widow and mm-hmm. serve the poor. Like those are the purposes he gives us. And I think, also in America, we just strive for like bigger, best, <laughs> like more. Um, and I'm so from we, Texas, so we just take that to yeah. a whole other level. <laughs> and so then we think that's with our Christian Christian walk, bigger, best, and more. And mm-hmm. um, and sometimes, like you know, I took two years off of speaking when we first when we just adopted the sibling group of four girls, and I said no. I had I told my assistant tell everyone no when they email, you know, tell everyone no, and it was making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and mm-hmm. and doing laundry and I've just started to add those things in but if you would look at the world's eyes okay why would she turn around speaking at this convention to stay home and fold laundry for these you know these girls um and that's God's got that's God's heart mm-hmm. um Jesus you know was often going away with two or three people I mean that's who he was ministering to and it's not always bigger best and more I love it and you're right we we are shooting we are shooting for big. When you talk in your book about what it meant for you to start walking it out, um, you say uh, on page 30, everything changed in my life when I stopped focusing on my own dreams and purposes and instead concentrated on walking out God's dreams and purposes for my life. Um, and I think that you, you at this point started looking for, okay, how do I walk out not what I think is the big purpose or the right purpose, but what God wants me wants me to do? Um, and as you just mentioned, there are so many things that are already clearly stated, uh, clearly stated in God's word. And so, even if we don't know what the big thing is, or even if it's not a quote unquote big thing, there are so many important things that God specifically uh, teaches us to do. And you spend a whole book walking us through what some of those things are. Um, let's talk a little bit about your ministry locally at home and church and the, and the MOPS group. There are so many things you could do. Why did you pick that? 
you know, it came down to, um, it was 1999 and I was home and my kids, and like I said, I was pursuing writing and I was just starting to get articles published. I had a book that I was doing, a, a mealtime devotion book I was doing, Focus on the Family. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm arriving. Like I'm here. I see these articles <laughs> that I'm writing. This book is coming out with Focus on the Family. And it was during that time when uh, my pastor approached me about um, helping to start the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And I thought, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I have my plan. Like this, mm-hmm. I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And, um, but as I sat down and read God's word and prayed about it, like actually prayed like God, you know, actually it was more like, tell me how to tell my pastor that I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, so it wasn't like I was even too open to it, but it was God stirring in my heart. And I know it was his, not audible voice, but his His spirit speaking to mind that said, that reminded me of who I was when I was a pregnant teen twice mm-hmm. and that lack of hope and God saying, what about the young women in your community? What are you going to do to help them? And, you know, first that was just getting the pregnancy center going, but then it was um, realizing that, okay, it's not enough just to say yes, have your baby and go on and have a good life. But what are we going to do daily to mentor them? And a lot of them come from very hard places that they don't have good role models. And so it was just realizing, and this was at the time, like I had that one book project I was doing, but I didn't know if I was going to be able to write more. Like, it wasn't like God was saying, okay, if you go and mentor these teen moms and are there weekly, because our, our support group is weekly during the school year. So it's a big really commitment. Need. Yeah, it's a big it's commitment. It's a big commitment, <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like God was saying, if you do this, then I'm going to allow you to write all these books. I didn't know. like, mm-hmm, But it was just that mm-hmm. active obedience where in God's word, it says to comfort those as you've been comforted. And I was comforted by a group of women when I was pregnant at 17 who loved me, who gave me a baby shower, who invited me to church, who invited me to Bible study. And now there was young women in my community who needed the very same thing. And so it was that step of obedience, like, this is what you say in your word. To love your neighbor, to do us to others as you wish, you know, you want them to do unto you, to comfort those as you've been comforted. God's saying this in my word, there's young women in my community. It was like saying, okay, I know this is what he's asking me to do. And it was just so heavy on my heart, just remembering what it was like. And so it was just taking those steps of obedience. And now... I love it. Like tonight is our teen mom support group. We are teaching them how to do crock pot meals. We had someone donate crock pots for tonight. And I'm like so excited to like wake up. And I'm like, tonight we're going to have so much fun. And these girls come from hard places. Um, Some of them have parents in jail. 99% of them don't have any father figure Mm. in their life. Um, They're the lowest of incomes. I mean, they have so little, but it's amazing to see, like, when me and the other volunteers say, God has good plans for you, you know, what about college? And, no, you can finish high school. And um, just to see that they have hope, that's like we're the the lone voices in their life that are speaking truth and God's love into their lives. And just to see the changes that they're making, like, God knew that. And Mm -hmm. he knew how much I would love it. He knew how much um, they would inspire me. It's not just me. Like, I have all this stuff to offer you, but just seeing how brave they are, like how brave they are to step into college for the first time when, you know, maybe most of their family has never even finished high school. Like, it just encourages and inspires me. And God knew that. He saw the whole plan. It's just taking me taking those small steps and saying, okay, God, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to follow you in this area. I love it. And I ask you, excuse me, I ask you before we got on, um, 
to share a recipe. So you're going to share one with me and I'm going to make that available in the post that goes along with this blog because with your house being so full, you have to feed people. <laughs> I do. And the, and the slow cooker or my Instant Pot, those are my go-to things. <laughs> Throw it in the morning and then dinner's there in the evening. So yes, I would love to, <laughs> to share a recipe with you. <laughs> well, we'll make sure we make, we make that available. Uh, I... Um, what I love is that you, and one of the things that your premises in your book is that many times what God asks us to walk out in our lives comes out of a place of where we've been. And you and you really beautifully talk about where you've been and, and then launch into the story of how you help in your local community, in your church, and how that all happened. But apart from you, your specifics, your story, um, another thing that I loved, in fact, I cried, I cried just as I read through the whole chapter, <clears throat> excuse me, Um, as I read through the whole chapter, um, when you talked about, sorry, hold on, get all that out. Um, (laughs) um, I cried as I read through the whole chapter uh, when you talked about heaven over my shoulder and you walked Mm -hmm. through the season of your grandparents and your grandfather passing away and how you got to be with him during that time. And, you know, your, your grandmother still lives with you, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, she's 88. <laughs> yeah. So you walk through this season where you had a sweet time of being able to be with them and with him as he um, transitioned into eternity and how that impacted you because you realized in a different way, in a new way, it's not about what's here. It's about what's coming. Right. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So I was raised by a single mom. And so um, we lived with my grandparents when I was little. So they have been like, I've been so close to them just growing up. I was over their house, you know, many times a week. And um, even after, after mom got married, like I was just so close to them. And John and I moved a thousand miles away to Montana um, when we were our kids were older, three were younger. And I thought the hardest thing was leaving my grandparents. Um, but when my grandpa got cancer, they decided to move in so I could help take care of him. And he was there for five months. And I thought, well, it was, it was like hard. I thought it would be the hardest thing I've ever faced, but it also was one of the most amazing experiences because he was a sweet Christian man that would read his Bible with his coffee in the morning and just love Jesus, but not expressive at all, like, um, about it and just this quiet faith. And, but right before he passed away, it was about three days, um, before he passed away, I would sit in there every day and like read the Bible and pray with him. And I remember one day I was homeschooling and grandma's like, Trisha, come here. And I, I ran in there and my grandpa is laying in bed and kind of sitting propped up and he's just hands lifted, just praising God. Like I praise you, Jesus. And I love you, Jesus. And just weeping, which I've never seen him like that expressive before. Mm-hmm. And um, we just started praying and worshiping with him. And the room was like heaven was there. It was the craziest thing. Um, just, you could just feel like, like half of the room was heaven. I don't know how to explain it. And, um, afterwards we were able to talk to him and my grandma said, like, he's sitting there and he's like, grandma, look at those birds. Can you imagine? Can you see those birds? They're so beautiful. And grandma, do you smell that? I've never smelled somewhat something so wonderful. And then he's like, grandma, look at that lion. He's like, oh, if I was an artist, I would paint that lion. And then that's when he started weeping and praising God because he said then he saw Jesus standing there with his arms extended. And just this, like, it made it so real because, you know, we talk about heaven. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up going to church, like we hear about it. But being in that room as he's in his last days and after that day, he ended up um, you know, going, being unconscious and not 
uh, able to communicate anymore, but just that God gave us that glimpse of what he was seeing and um, just like he saw Jesus and it was so clear. Like every time he'd start to talk about it, he would just start weeping and praising God again. It was, it was just so beautiful. But for the last three days, even when he's laying there, um, not able to communicate, I would sit there and read scripture to him and pray. And it was like, there was an angel over my shoulder. I like literally like feel like someone was there, like not in a scary way, but in this peaceful way. And I like slowly turned like so sure I was just going to catch a glimpse of an angel. Um, and it became like, even when he passed away, it was like, wow, he is like fully there now. And it just made me realize like, as I would go to the grocery store, I'd be like, do they know Jesus? Like, what are they going to experience? What are they going to see when they have their last breath? And I had, we had a hospice nurse that was there and I said, this must be the hardest job. And she's like, actually, I feel like I'm a labor and delivery nurse because, you know, people that are Christians, I could just like help them and usher them as they make the journey. And she's like, your grandpa's experience isn't unique. She goes, I see it again and again. And I thought, mm. wow, there's so many people out there. And so that made me think about looking at my teen moms, like, no, this is serious guys like it just made it so more impactful like there's people that um you know we never know how many days we have and we need to do all we can to share the good news of jesus with them while we have the opportunity so it's just made it so much more impacting to me in my life well i know that that experience with your grandfather grandparents and your grandmother continuously gives you perspective for eternity and i think what i loved about this because uh, i was there when my grandmother passed away in her presence and um i know when you have an experience like that it it can make what you believe to be true and what you know to be true real in a different way but mm-hmm. for those people who need to have a view of eternity that underscores, underlines, and propels them forward to walk out their belief in Jesus Christ in a real intangible way. How do people do that? How do people keep eternity in view? Because, you know, it's like, how many times do we hear about a woman who struggles to lose weight, but you put a wedding date in front of her, all of a sudden there's focus, you know, or right. you hear about somebody who, um, uh, you know, maybe is struggling to figure out what they want to do, but they have an experience, something that they love. They can go, oh, I would love to do this for the rest of my life. Okay, that puts focus to school, you know, or whatever is required to do that. So living your life and walking it out where you're um, honoring Jesus Christ uh, in your story, having a view of heaven, I think, helps with focus. So if that's not our story, we didn't see, you know, someone in, in their last moments of being on earth and go, wow, they're actually seeing Jesus. How do we keep eternity in view, honestly, so that we stay motivated to do the hard things. Yeah, I think part of it is um, daily Bible reading has been huge to me. And it's also like not even just saying like, what does God have for me today? Like it's I, I do that, you know, like what is God asking me to do? Is there something from this passage? But also, you know, I'm right now um, I'm reading through the Bible and I'm in Exodus and just sit there and think about like, wow, I'm actually going to like hang out with Moses. <laughs> like, I don't know, just get this eternal view that, that the people, the stories in the Bible, they had the same struggles, but someday we're just going to be able to say, wow, you know, we were walking on earth and share our hard things but, and share how God showed up. So daily Bible reading has been huge in my life and just c- kind of keeping that focus on eternity. And then honestly, just as a parent and interacting with my kids, mm-hmm. um, realizing that, uh, you know, 
out of everything that I do. There's going to be, um, I'm, I'm, you know, inputting truth and uh, grace and hope in their lives, but there's going to be the moment where each of them stand before God and he's either going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, I didn't know you. And that's actually just even changed my parenting too. Mm. Um, and, and realizing that, it all comes down to my one moment, you know, and I think even with the first set of kids, uh, it was like, okay, we need to make sure they get a good job and get good grades and do all mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. But now I spend a lot more time in the Bible with them, explaining God's truths with them, knowing um, like this is my shot with them and, and being able to pour God's word into their truth. And so just being, for, I guess, first starting being proactive with myself and then the people in my home is the first step. And then if I'm doing that in the morning, if I'm focusing on God's word and then, and pouring into them, it just translates into every part of my day as I step out in the grocery store, work to, you know, with the teen moms or write a blog post. It just carries on that ripple effect, but it takes being uh, proactive in our thinking and on focusing Mm -hmm. on the stuff that truly, truly matters. And it talks about God's word is eternal. Like it lasts forever. And what we are, uh, when we sit down, it's the living word of God. You know, he is the way, the truth and the life. I mean, it is the living word of God that is going to impact our life. And so it's a bit of heaven, on earth that we are given to. And so many times we get busy with so many other things instead of focusing on what is going to give us life, not only here, but also for eternity. I love the story that you tell about how, um, because, you know, what I love about your life is that you have, of course, a focus in your home, you have the focus with your local ministry, with the teen moms and in your church. And then you also have um, a heart for missions. And you talk about Mm -hmm. how, um, you know, you you wondered, okay, God, you know, are you going to actually use me with mission stuff? Because I feel a burden for it, but I'm not quite sure how to work that out. And then now, not only do you have an opportunity to serve yourself, but you've given that gift, um, you know, to your to one of your children who lives in the place that you have a heart for. Can you talk a little bit about why you were convicted about ministering outside of your hometown, and then how it's played itself out, um, not only in your ministry ongoingly, but in the ministry of your family? Yeah, and I was never one of those that, you know, as a kid that was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a missionary. It was almost like at church when they said, do you feel called? I'm like, please, Lord, no. Please, Lord, no. (laughs) You know, it's too hard out there. (laughs) Let me just stay where it's comfortable. Um, But in uh, 2000, I was on a a trip with two friends, and they were researching for books, and I was along for the ride, and um, we ended up going throughout Europe. And I just remember being in the Czech Republic, and it's the most beautiful uh, country, there's cobblestone streets and castles. And I mean, it's just like medieval times in, in this, you know, here, uh, now. And I remember we're leaving the country and there was, um, young women lining the roads, like maybe every mile there'd be a young woman with an umbrella. And I didn't understand like what was going on. So like on the side of this little highway road, country road is like a and I'd say, what is going on? And the ladies um, that was driving my friend said, you know, they are prostitutes and um, they, you know, people come from Austria and they just you know, are there to go into the woods. And I just remember my heart just breaking. And here I'd been this tourist and going through, you know, walking down the cobblestone streets and not realizing that I was in a country that is mostly atheist. There's less than 1% Christian. And I just went home with this burden, like, I played tourist, but am I going to really think about and care about 
the people that we left behind and it really didn't leave me. And then, um, a couple of years later, there was a, a new family at our church, and the woman was Czech. And we lived in rural Montana, so there was, like, hardly any ethnic diversity. So that was pretty unusual. And I just remember, like, this is God. Like, she's here for a reason. And one day as I was praying about it, I felt God saying, uh, mission trip to the Czech Republic. And we just took these huge steps of faith. I ended up, I mean, it was so clear that from what God put in my heart, being there and then her being our congregation, that this is like God wanted us to connect with that country. And we ended up connecting with missionaries. And then we went there um, three times on mission trips with our church. And we were able to go to family camps and you know, um, teach English and tell about God. And um, I just being there to know that to walk around and see that most of the people around us have never even heard about Jesus. And they don't know the truth. It's just... Um, you know, they'd been under communism all those years, so it was just really impactful. But I had no idea that God would be calling my daughter there full time. And um, what he did with her and, and, and her heart was just amazing. And when she first told us she'd just graduated from college and she said, I feel like God wants me to go there for a year. And I'm like, okay, that's, you know, great. And she said, and I also feel like he's going to provide the money without um, me having to ask for it. I should just trust him. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute, Leslie. Like maybe we could send a letter around <laughs> or do a spaghetti potluck, like something. And she's like, no mom. I mean, and she'd been there, you know, she saw when I was doing the pregnancy center, working with teen moms, like she saw me taking steps of faith. And, um, she's like, I just really, as I pray about it, I feel like he is going to provide. And so months went by and, um, you know, she, she told people she was going, she had a little blog with it, and it even had like a PayPal button, but it's not like she she was actively asking people for money and checks would come in from just friends that said, Oh, I think you might need this. And God told me to give this to you, but it hardly amounted to very much. And, um, she got a, she was filling out the paperwork to get her visa to live in the Czech Republic. And the lady's like, I, I need a copy of your bank statement showing that you have enough money to live here for a year. And she did not like the, the bank statement had like $1,200 and they needed to see that she had like at least 5,000. And she's like, mom, what am I going to do? And, um, she ended up praying about it and just saying, God, I really felt you telling me that I wasn't supposed to ask people for money. And I just trust that you're going to show up and I need this by tomorrow. <laughs> she, but really just like the, the mix of angst and uh, hope that you know God was going to somehow show up. And later that day she was checking her email and she decided to check her spam folder, which she hadn't done in a while. And she checked and there was a message from PayPal that she had $10,000 in her account that someone had donated and she was blown away and she went to go look to see who it was. And it was this um, Muslim man, well, former Muslim man that she had met um, at a Wendy's restaurant when she was 15. She worked there and they would bring students over in a work study program. And he had come, he was from Azerbaijan, which is, a, it was a Muslim mm -hmm. area and Muslim family. And he saw her cross necklace and it was on for him. Like he asked tons of questions and it wasn't in the, like, tell me about Jesus way. Like, why would you believe that? And that, you know, it doesn't make any sense. And it's like wearing a gun or a knife around your neck. And um, she's like, mom, I would like tell him the plan of salvation with my ketchup and mustard bottle on a Wendy's wrapper and, you know, just share. And he came to our home and we were able to share Christ with him. And she gave him a Bible when he left and we heard nothing. Like we didn't know the end of the story. Um, 
which he ended up becoming a Christian and had uh, kept track of her kind of online. And when she was posting about her trip, he knew, like, God was telling them he needed to get to that. And he'd been saving money. And he gave what he had to her. And it was just like God just just stringing along from me being there, seeing the young women, feeling that ache in my heart, to this Czech woman coming to our church, going on mission trips, to my daughter feeling called. And now she's there full time. She's married to a Czech man. She teaches uh, English at the university there. And every Tuesday night they have uh, a small group of uh, university students where they teach them English and have conversation, then have a Bible study. And last year there was five um, people that were baptized. And it's just amazing to see what God is doing through her. But it's it's those little steps of faith that at the time I had no idea where they were going to lead, but it's just trusting God and, and realizing that there's a big world out there with a lot of people that need to have the hope of Christ. One of the things that I love that you said um, because you had a heart for Czechoslovakia, but you didn't know how God was going to work that out. And you mm-hmm. say here, <clears throat> what if all the work you're doing is just a foundation for her great work? And I think for many of us who are moms, that's a question we have to we ask and we have to wrestle with. Because what if the things that God has placed in our heart, whether we do them at all or not, what if the reason why they're in our heart are because he wants to do something greater with that same thing in the lives of our kids? And making peace with that, that it may not look the way we want it to look, but God, you know, ultimately um, has a plan. My grandmother had eight children and mm-hmm. wanted so badly to be a missionary and could, you know, couldn't um, just life. You got eight kids and they, you know, spread out. And um, but what she has said, and she's passed away now, but what she would say is, you know, God didn't have it for me to be a missionary, but he had it for me to be. Uh, for my, for my kids to be, and so oh, I eight I children, that. five of them were in full time ministry, and they're spread out all over the world. And so, um, just to have, I just got goosebumps. Like I literally just got goosebumps. <laughs> so when I read that, I thought, yeah, many of the things, and it could be mission work, but it doesn't have to be that God has placed in our heart, walking it out the best we can in front of our children. Sometimes is not so much about what we're doing as much as it is about what our kids get to see, so that God can continue to do His work through them. You know, long after we're 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 gone. Um, hold on one second. Hey guys, you have to turn off that alarm. Kanan, go turn off that alarm. Hurry up. I know, babe, but I'm recording a podcast and I can hear it. <laughs> All the things. I know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Trisha, one of the things you say is, and I love this quote, no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. For So for the person who's listening and they say, I really do want to honor God. I really do want to walk out my faith. And I know Trisha adopted kids and I know she's working with teen moms and I know she had a heart for missions work. Like, what can I do? I have no idea what to do. How can they have a simple yes? Where where, do, where would you advise someone to start who, who wants to walk out their faith and it just doesn't know where to start? You know, and I, I think usually when I ask groups, um, when I speak and I say, is there something in your heart that you feel God has been asking you to do, but you've been too afraid to do it? Mm. Uh, 99% of people raise their hands. So, Mm. you know, they say they don't have any idea, but usually there's something that's been there that's maybe been there for months or maybe been there for years that they, God has asked them to go and check out 
uh, you know, doing foster care or to start a Bible study in their neighborhood or to walk across the street and take a cake to that single mom and get to know her better. I mean, usually there's something there. And if there isn't, I mean, it's a prayer that God always answers. If you say, Lord, show me who I can reach out to today that he needs to hear your good news, he'll put something, someone in your mind, like it's guaranteed he's going to put someone there. So it's really just being willing to be still and be willing and be um, open to what he has and then take the step of faith. And like I was saying before, we don't have to know the whole picture, but we just have to be willing to take the step of faith that God is asking us today. And um, we have so many questions and fears, even when we were adopting, I was concerned about, you know, the emotional part of adopting. And my husband was concerned about like, we don't have a car big enough <laughs> to add more children. Um, but it was <laughs> taking the step of faith and saying, okay, God, we feel you're calling this and, taking you know first we'll just go fill out the paperwork and then go from there so usually there's one little thing that they can do mm-hmm. today um mm-hmm. and don't wait till tomorrow <laughs> do it today to take a step of faith or tell someone like just talk to a friend and say hey i really felt led to this and um you know usually god will bring people around us that can just to keep going well, I love too the suggestions that you have where you talk about what it means to take care of vulnerable ones. That even if you're not doing it, if you're not the one adopting, if you're not the one taking care of the widow, if you're not the one going uh, to another country, you can support those who do. Um, and you have this great list of how you can support other people. Make a meal, um, deliver a bag, a few bags of groceries, take kids on fun outings, babysit so that the caregivers can have a break, give people gift certificates to local attractions, send notes of encouragement, show up to clean or do a few loads of laundry, pray and ask them, what more can I do? And I think sometimes we're like, okay, am I supposed to get on a plane to Europe? Well, Mm -hmm, you might, mm -hmm. you might, but this to support those who are going to support those who are adopting or fostering to support those who are taking care of maybe an older relative in their home, that's still serving and supporting. And if you can't figure out what to do, find someone who is and figure out how uh, to get involved with them. Um, one last thing before we, um, and I wanted to talk to you because all of this again came out of your own story, came out of mm-hmm. right. you experiencing and receiving God's grace and choosing to walk in that, to believe that He could use you, and then to believe that He wanted to use you through your story. But there are so many people, and you talk about what it means to serve out of a healed heart, you know, uh, loving out of a healed heart. There's so many people that struggle to have the healed heart. What has it looked like or what did it look like um, for you to actually receive the grace from God that you knew he was offering? Because a lot of people understand it, but receiving it and walking in it is a whole nother thing. Absolutely. Well, it all kind of centered on my choice to have an abortion. And um, even though I believe like God had, I like believe like you're saying with my mind that God had forgiven me for my sins. I just thought like that was too big. And, you know, maybe he didn't like me that much. And I mean, I hated my decision and I just thought like he hated me too. And it was these feelings of almost I had to work for him. I had to. So when I first got married, I started like teaching at Sunday school and, you know, doing all this volunteer efforts, like almost trying to like, look at me, I'm trying to make you happy, but not really feeling that grace inside me. And um, it happened when I was at church and this woman stood up and said, you know, I had an abortion when I was 19 and I um, 
went through this Bible study and I have just fully accepted God's forgiveness. And she had something that I wanted and that was freedom. And it was knowing that God's grace covered all of her sins. And I remember, um, you know, she'd been promoting the Bible study for a couple months, but it wasn't until the day of the Bible study that I actually called and told her I was coming because I was still so ashamed and walking in that room, um, and you know, I just remember just shaking, like, I'm going to throw up, just even walking into the Bible study. But when I walked in and I saw there were six other women, and all of them had the same story, all of them had the same pain, it was like almost I saw their burden on them, and I knew it was the same that I had. Just walking in and realizing that we are going to seek God together in this 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 weight lifted from me um, and to hear their stories and to share my story and to begin the process that Christ has covered all of our sins. And yes, we made mistakes, but I was walking in darkness. Like I was groping for answers and Jesus was wanting me to turn to him. And I turned instead I focused on fear and just realizing that Jesus was there all the time, wanting me to turn to him and reach out to him and that he, his, um, his blood covered all my sins. It just brought this freedom and it's so hard when you're walking with that pain and that shame. It's almost like you put up a wall because you can't deal with it. Like it's too mm. much to deal with. But that wall kept out joy. It kept out happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, it kept out peace. I remember just being with my family and feel like I was just going through the motions. The kids would be running and playing and laughing. And I'm like, I can see this is a happy moment, but I'm not experiencing it right now. I could not experience it because it was so hard protecting my heart from the pain and shame and just being able to sit there and, and weep and um, realize that, no, read the scriptures, you know, Christ has covered me. I can't accept his grace. His grace is for me. He loves me. It was like um, this continual thing for months of just going to his word mm-hmm. and then walking out the freedom. And once I had the freedom, um, then being able to share that with other people. And I remember the first time my pastor asked me to speak in front of our church and talk about, like, this is my first public speaking, and I'm going to share about my abortion and my healing. But looking out on the congregation and seeing compassion on their faces, love on their faces, seeing other women, it was very clear, other women who had faced the same thing, and they're crying in the pew and, and realizing that God could use my story to help other people. Um, not that he's always going to call us to do that, but to see that where he brought me and the freedom he brought me I can extend to other people and so it was huge and everything changed after that you know I've been trying to write and do all these things before that but like how can you write when you're holding you know holding all this stuff inside and you can't share and you can't be vulnerable Um, and once he brought freedom there it brought freedom in so many other areas but it's it came to sitting down and being still and again going back to his word and what do you have to say about this God Mm. And and I love how you say that you were trying. And in fact, you say here, um, would we feel empty because we feel empty and see our efforts as meaningless? We work harder to fill the deep hole mm-hmm. inside of us. And we believe if we do certain things and live a certain way, we'll feel happy and fulfilled as a follower of God. So we join another Bible study or volunteer for another ministry, hoping that it will provide an answer our soul has been longing for. And the point here is that you're making that you're missing the mark. If you're mm-hmm. not actually able to receive God's grace and realize that everything you do for him comes out of, it's got to come out of one, a healed heart, two, an obedient heart, and three, a re- you're just acting out of being a recipient of what he's already done. You're not mm-hmm. earning it. You're not earning it. And so I love how 
um, you start the whole book with your story and saying that everything that you've done, even the defining moment of your life, which was to tell the Lord, I will obey. What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. Came after you had put yourself in a position to receive the grace that he'd offered. And then it just became offering to other people what you yourself had been given, you know? And I think if we make it too yeah. difficult, <laughs> we miss it. <laughs> and it's and then it's extending that grace into daily life. So, mm-hmm. you know, even after I've done this ministry, it's like realizing that after we adopted these kids, I mean, my house was chaos. Mm. My, you know, there's laundry and I, I mean, still there's, I'm sitting around, there's piles around me of books and paperwork I need to do and stuff. But realizing that God loves me just as much if I have mm. a huge pile of paper, paperwork on my desk or if the laundry is piled up or, and it's accepting that grace in the daily moments too. Because of course we say, yes, I know God's forgiven me, but we don't have to prove ourselves even in. This, the daily messes that we find ourselves in, the daily conflict, you know, that right now there's a p- huge pile of dishes in my sink. God loves me just as much, <laughs> have, even though there's that huge pile of dishes, um, than if I would have this perfect house. And so I think there's the grace, like the knowledge of our where we're going to be for eternity, but it, then it's the daily grace that we give ourselves and realize that we don't have to do it all and be all for Christ to love us. And it's accepting that grace, even in the daily moments. I love it. And so <clears throat> giving yourself grace knows saying that if I don't get it all done or done right, he still loves me just the way that I am. But because he loves me just the way that I am and because he has extended so wonderful of a grace towards me, I choose to obey and walk it out. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for sharing, Trisha. And again, um, Trisha's book is called Walk It Out, The Radical Result of Living God's Word, One Step at a Time. And if you want to know what it looks like in a very, very practical way <laughs> um, to to engage with God's purposes for your life, to receive his grace, and then to let everything that you do flow from what God has given to you, you definitely need to pick up this book and read it. You will be um, encouraged and inspired by what Trisha has done and what God wants to now do in you. Thanks for being with me, Trisha. Thank you, Crystal.